0: Bears nation. Bears, nation. Bears nation, here goes Fields, can he get in? Yes he can! Yeah, it was awesome, of course first career touchdown and you know
1: I just wanted to celebrate with them and of course you know Cole and those guys were excited, we were just talking about that in the locker room uh, he almost ran me over but you know I mean we were all excited for sure and um, I just celebrated with them. And the
0: season begins. I'm a loser baby, so why don't you kill me? Obviously, we're disappointed in, in the loss. We gave up some explosive plays. Deep downfield. It's caught in the 15-yard line by Van Jefferson. And he
1: gets up and rumbles to the end zone.
0: We did not execute to start the game. Deep downfield
1: wide, wide, wide open.
0: To not stop them and then not score offensively, that's where it got away. And then when you become one-dimensional against this team, look out. That's where they tee off on you. It's time for the Bears Nation Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Montgomery and Montgomery is in for the touchdown. It's the Bears Nation Podcast. With all due respect, sir. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Yeah, baby. It's on. Welcome back, Bear Stands. Welcome back to two episode weeks. Again, two episodes. A week, a season, whatever, you get it. We're back to two episodes a week. We're going to be doing recap episodes directly after the games, and then we're going to be doing our previews on Wednesdays. If you've been here for a while, you know the drill. If you're new, then you just found out. So that being said, week one is in the books. The Chicago Bears are 0-1. They lose to the Los Angeles Rams thirty-five or 34-14. to Excuse me on Sunday night football and a just ugly, uh, just a disgusting game. Just gross to watch, and infuriating the whole time. And we're going to get to the quarterbacks, and we know that's what everyone wants to talk about. But my God, Kevin, that defense looked terrible. That defense is not a championship-level caliber defense that we've been accustomed to over the last couple of years. Certainly not the 2018-type unit that we were hoping to see from a Sean at, uh defense. And that was just... It was hard to watch. It was startling. It was startling to watch how badly the defense played.
1: It it, it was extremely startling. And we're going to break this down. We're going to look at Eddie Jackson in the pass rush. Yes, they're missing Eddie Goldman. Yes, they're missing Van Gerathan. But those can't be sole excuses as a very loud car passes my apartment those cannot be the sole excuses and and we're gonna dive into the defense but they played poorly they played terribly but Jake I still think the narrative of this game has to be about the offense and there's multiple reasons why we have people still calling this a moral victory for the offense because they scored 14 freaking points they won the time possession they looked I guess a little bit better at times than last year when the hell are we going to learn this is a different era, a different league, and we as Bears fans are still stuck in 1985 or even 2018. Those days are over. The days of winning games 13 to 7 or 10 to 3 are over. You're winning games nowadays with 80% offense and 20% defense. Look at the Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday Night Football. What was the score of that game? 31-29. to 29. Is anyone on God's green earth talking about the Buccaneers defense surrendering 29 points? Nope. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs winning 33-29 against the Browns. Is anyone on God's green earth talking about the Kansas City Chiefs defense running 29 points? And look at the San Francisco 49ers in one of the weirdest games of all time, allowing 33 points to possibly the worst offense in the NFL, but everything's good and great in San Francisco because they put up 41 points in one one this is you don't win in the NFL without explosive plays and Dalton doesn't throw the doesn't complete a pass over 10 air yards last night this game is unequivocally about the offense and what needs to be figured out there but that doesn't mean it's an excuse and it's a cop out for the defense you still have to perform better on defense but it's just everyone saying the offense did there's people literally saying Jake the offense did enough for you to win no, they didn't. Yeah. No, they didn't. You're not winning this game 14-13. to 13. That that wasn't going to happen. We knew that from the start. So I, I'll let you speak your words about the defense. We can break that down, but I wanted to be made sure that that offensive performance was not enough. The defense needed to play better, but you can't say that the offense did enough for us to win that game last night on Sunday night.
0: Yeah, there was almost no redeeming qualities about the offense whatsoever. David Montgomery probably being the only Mm -hmm. singular redeeming quality of that offense. Uh, It's just exactly what we knew was going to happen. It was still screen plays on third and eight screen plays on second and five and for negative yardage. And Andy Dalton's running for his life because Jason Peters immediately leaves the game hurt. Then Larry Borum also gets hurt. And it's like, it's you're down two left tackles immediately. And it's so bad. And it, it's just, it was a terrible performance. And Mike Lombardi called Andy Dalton a 2020 quarterback, I meaning he could get you from 20 yard line to 20 yard line, but uh-huh. he's never getting you into the end zone. And we saw that that mm-hmm. pass that got intercepted on the first drive, even the, yes, it got tipped, but who was that going to? That was going to, I have no idea. I think it was going through the back of the end zone and hitting grass. Like it was nowhere, and it no, it looked like no one was going to catch that. It didn't make any sense. Honestly, the tip maybe bailed him out a little bit, but. It was just bad, and right from that interception. It was so predictable. Such a predictable turn of events right away, and that's immediately when you knew things were just not going to go well. It, Game was cu- over. Yeah, you had a couple David Montgomery runs on that first drive that made you think, okay, they're going to run the ball, they're going to play. And then that absolute clown stri- tries to be Kyle Shanahan again, oh tries God. to act like he's in San Francisco, and we're doing these little packages with Justin Fields. We're putting yeah. him in on field. And, and he looked good. Yeah, he he did. He attempted two passes, completed two passes, ran for a touchdown and these mini packages. And it's just absolutely infuriating. Why are we playing this stupid game? Why are we doing this charade where, you know, Justin Fields is the better quarterback and you're making these packages explicitly for him and you're letting him throw two passes and he's getting you one. He's getting you 50% of your touchdowns and it makes no damn sense. It's this dumbest thing in the world of Matt Nagy continuing to just suck himself off and think that he's the smartest guy in the room. And it's unbelievable. And it's just, and then of course, oh my in the post game it says absolutely nothing. You heard a little bit there in the open here. It says absolutely nothing of substance it says absolutely nothing to give you any answers whatsoever. And it, it's just, I, I've said this on the show before. I think he's, his job is safe. Justin Fields, the draft pick, that, that pick, Saved him. And, and you disagree with me on that. I'm sure we'll get into it. But I mean, this guy just continues to do dumb, dumb things. And you know, he's
1: going to bed at night thinking, yeah, that was smart. I did good today. He literally, he turned on the noon games. He watched San Francisco, try out Trey Lance and do the same exact thing. Trey Lance got about what, seven snaps or something. And he said, you know what? Maybe that wasn't a bad idea. They won the game. Maybe I'll do it too. That literally seems like what, like what he did. Uh, I, I, like it just, it makes zero sense at all. If you were really, if you think that going that doing that was going to help you win, and you really want to be serious about winning, like I, I just don't know where to. fall because this also is in a forty nine ers situation. Jimmy exactly, Garoppolo is, is not is Andy He can yes, right. he wins you football games. Jimmy Garoppolo wins you football games. It's a, Jimmy it's a different scenario. A yes, like is he a superstar elite quarterback? No. Can he get the job done against the Detroit Lions? Yes. I'm not even sure I don't get the job done against the Detroit Lions at this point. I mean, I really I don't know. Really he's don't gonna know. get it done against Cincinnati next week. If if well, we'll he's the starter. I it's just it, it's so it's so beyond illogical. Like I I'm I I'm I'm having trouble finding words for it. Like you really don't know how to how to how to find the words for it because clearly, like you saw Justin Fields on the sideline. You saw him on the sideline, standing there with the hands in the shoulder pads, pacing side to side. Sad. First of all, I bet he's pissed, uh, and he's never going to say a single word about it. He's never going to say, go up to the mic and say, I wish I was, you know, all that. He obviously is going to say, this is Nagy's plan. I'm going to have trust in the plan. He's a, he's a consummate pro. He is going to say the right things. But you could tell in his eyes, man. I mean, Jake, our over – I mean, whatever the number we set for the amount of pans to Justin Fields in Sunday night's game <laughs> was by far the over – because it was seemingly every thirty seconds, it was it talked well, about it was or shown... especially
0: in the second half, when it was clear that that game was not going your way, it, it yes. became they did they were doing it every single time. And speaking of which, Chris Collinsworth just absolutely riding for Matt Nagy for no reason, what for un, unprompted that? riding for Matt Nagy made no sense. Didn't understand where that was coming from. Absolute clown show there. And it, I saw a tweet today. It was uh, the picture of Justin Fields on the sideline. And it goes, he's definitely thinking, damn, this MF's name is really Andy. <laughs> 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 and that's the thing. But here's the thing, because and I said this before, like Andy Dalton, he did exactly what he thought he was going to do. He he tried to di- he did what he was capable of, just dink and dunk. And they right. were uh, trying to kill the Rams with a thousand paper cuts. And it obviously wasn't going to work because it's the Rams and they're good now. And, you know, Matt Stafford with a real offense and outside of Detroit, he looks great. He was everything that was promised um, that we heard out all offseason him and Sean McVay. And you tried to kill him by a thousand paper cuts. And that obviously didn't work. And now here we are. Unfortunately, like I said, I call it the Andy Dalton revenge games in Cincinnati, going back to Cincinnati, where it all started the headlines right themselves. We're getting Andy Dalton for another week, at least probably more because now uh, per Jay Glazer, which I mean, I don't know if you want to buy into it, but that the Bears don't want Justin Fields to start before week four. Or, or, or before week five. I didn't even see the full oh quote. But at least week God. four. And it makes, you no, know, it's back to the point. Why are we throwing away? If you know you're going to send him out there at week four, why, why are we doing this charade where, all right, we're giving it to week four. We're going to potentially put three more losses on the board, which is a very, looks very possible right now. Yeah, I don't know if you win the Detroit game in possible. week four. So, why not? I mean, why, you're not going to beat Cleveland. That's, I mean, they almost beat the Chiefs, so we showed that. You're not going to beat Cleveland. You might not beat Cincinnati. They looked good against the Vikings. Joe Burrow looks great. So I don't know why we're putting two more likely losses and probably a third on the
1: table here. It makes no sense. The Bears and Nagy have been given a gift from the heavens to, to, to slap them out of whatever fantasy world they're in. And that gift from the heavens is that the whole NFC North lost this past week, okay? You can read—and not only did the whole NFC North lose, you can identify serious problems with every single team in that division. The Vikings don't look like they're up to speed. They don't look like they're the same team offensively. Again, it's one week, so I'm not going to go too in on the Vikings. But as far as the Packers, I have every reason to believe that that situation is a goddamn mess and may not be fixed because Aaron Rodgers looked pissed. He had the worst passer rating of his career, threw for 32.9 passer rating, which if you threw the ball into the dirt every single play in a game, you would have a passer rating of 38-point-something. So he was six points below the passer rating he would have if he had just thrown it into the dirt every play. So that goes to show you. I don't know if things over there are going to be okay. They've been given a gift to say, look, we have the chance to actually maybe win this division at 9-8 and eight, or at, at, at even um, – You know, eight and nine, maybe we're maybe looking at (laughs) MC East of last year. I mean, maybe not that, but they've been sent a message. All they have to do is do the right thing to help them win. And there is a legitimate chance they can make a run for this division because Jake, I honestly, and I will die on this hill. I think the Bears could could have won that game last night with Justin Fields at the quarterback position. I truly do. You take away that interception in the red zone, which ironically comes a play after Justin Fields completes a pass to Marquise Goodwin that gets mm-hmm. you to the four-yard line. How funny is that? If that and if they score on the first drive, it's all of a sudden, oh, shit, the Bears are here to play. You, know, you go up 7-0 we know this defense is a heck of a lot better playing from ahead than behind. Well,
0: and it's also the, the game, what we talked on the preseason, you saw the game plan change on the few yeah. plays that Justin Fields was in. The mobility of course was evident, but and you're not probably Justin Fields is in this game for every snap on offense. And you're probably not getting these screen passes on third and long or third and intermediate. And you're probably not getting these stupid post, mm-hmm. you know, these stupid hitch routes. And it doesn't make any sense. And You're probably throwing the ball down the field and you're probably not trying to dink and dunk him to death. So, yeah, it, you're absolutely right there.
1: So you agree they win that game with Justin Fields plays because I, I, I
0: yeah, I mean, I thought at least, it, at least it's not 34-14.
1: least I I agree. I I mean, I I think the Rams looked beatable. I mean, you held them
0: to 13 points Mm -hmm. in the first half and that was with a, a busted play. That was super weird, which again, we'll get to the defense in a minute, but that was with a a weird touchdown in the first half. And then another busted coverage in the second half. So yeah, I mean, that was winnable. I I mean, the Rams looked good, but I think with a better offense, you easily could. And like you said, this defense this defense quits when it's clear Mm -hmm. that things are not going their Mm -hmm. way and that's fine. I, I'm sure I would feel the same way. And again, you know, you didn't have any Goldman, you didn't have a couple guys, but still like, I think this, this Rams team, they didn't look unbeatable. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. Once Justin Fields comes in as the starter permanently, that's when you're going to have real chance to win football games.
1: You're exactly right, and the thing is too. In in the five snaps that he got, one of those snaps on that throw to Marquise Goodwin, it, it's worth noting what happened on that play because for the months and weeks before you know this game, the whole conversation about him not starting the game was, we've got big, mighty Aaron Donald coming to town. I don't want him to, to or or. I don't want him to, to face the heat of the Rams' defense. Aaron Donald. First of all, the offensive line looked okay, in my opinion. I had no not many issues with the way the offensive line looked for a majority of the game, considering what they were up against, considering the injuries that they had across the line. I thought sure. James Daniels held up pretty damn well against Aaron Donald for a majority of the game. Uh, Cody White here had some mistakes. But anyway, overall, I think it was better than what I would have expected. But on that play to Marquise Goodwin, I don't know if you noticed this, and I don't know if no most people noticed this, he stood right in the face of Aaron Donald on that play. Aaron Dowell yeah. got through the line and was right in his face. And what did Fields do? Did he fluster and throw the ball away or run away or do all the things that everybody would have expected him to do? No, he stood the right in there like The things that Andy Dalton did. The things that Andy Dalton did. Exactly. So all those people who sit here and say, well, Andy Dalton is is a pro who who can, who's going to be able to take the hits and he's a veteran and he knows how to read these things. I don't know. Because I saw Justin Fields with Aaron Dowell right in his face or an absolute dart to Marquise Goodwin to get you into field position to score. Uh, and then you take him out of play afterwards. So so all the people who say it's about the defense and the scariness and all that, he debunked that in one play. It took us one freaking play to realize that he's ready and he can face the challenge. So I don't want to hear any of this crap about
0: he's not capable.
1: On top of that as well, is that... Oh, okay,
0: you could say that all you want, but the fact of the matter was he was out there anyway, regardless. So the right. Bears can't use that as an excuse. Like you were exactly. putting him out there in these you certain packages. So then what's the point of not putting him out there full time? That's the thing. And that's what I just keep coming back to, which is why it's so infuriating. You know he's good enough to be out there. Why are you just doing it for a handful of snaps? If you know he's good enough and you know he can do these things, why are we not giving him the full playbook? Why are you not starting yes. because To go back to something you said a couple weeks ago because of a damn pinky promise to a washed-up quarterback. It makes no sense. It's absolutely infuriating how this front office, how this coaching staff just continues to over and over and over again do the same damn thing over. So predictable every single time that they're just going to be so stubborn and they're going to do this. This they're going to stand on their soapbox and they're going to go out there and, then, and you know what? I'm not looking forward to hearing Matt Nagy's voice tomorrow or whenever the press conference is, because he's just going to say, Today. no, he's going to say, Andy's the guy. And, you know, we trust in Andy and, you know, he's, he, he, I guarantee some type of sentence constructed like this comes out of Matt Nagy's mouth. Oh, well, Andy gets to go back where his career started and somewhere that he knows, and we expect him to play well in an environment that he's familiar with. Guarantee, Loosely, those words are said. Some kind of statement like that is made by Matt Nagy today.
1: You're, you, you, you are probably right. I, 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 because that, and that's what leads me back to the line of thinking that this team is not serious, serious about winning. They don't give a shit. They don't, they don't care about winning. And that's what's so contradictory about it is like, okay, so you're going to try to do things that are going to help you win, like throw out Justin Fields for five plays, but then you're not going to, you know, make the overall right decision to make him the quarterback because everybody on God's green earth knows that that's what's best for your team. I have so much trouble believing that they're actually serious about winning. And 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 it's so evident. It's so evident. And you look at the other coaches around the league who weren't afraid to start their quarterbacks. The New England Patriots, although they lost to the, the Miami Dolphins, they made that a close game. 17 16. Mac Jones played okay. Uh, obviously Trevor Lawrence was going to start. Obviously, Zach Wilson was going to start. Trey Lance situation is different, especially given his injury. But still, I mean, we literally have the most illogical coach in the NFL right now. And <laughs> Everybody, like, there is not. I don't think I've met one person or heard one analyst at this point who thinks Justin Fields shouldn't be the starter. I mean, at this given point. So I, am I'm, I'm out. I'm done trying to find reasons. I don't know what it is anymore. But it's just so beyond frustrating as Bears fans because you want to watch. All you want is to see your team try to win. See your team have the conviction and belief that they can win the games and that 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 is the intention and the goal of the team. And there are certain situations. Um, you know, where you want to put the future first. Okay. And I understand that, but even the chiefs in the Mahomes, Alex Smith situation, we're not putting the future first because at the time, Alex Smith led them to the playoffs that year. And at right. the time they were a good team. They were still focused on winning and doing both at the same time. You can do both at the same time because he, I can guarantee you as he's sitting there on the sidelines with his hands and his shoulder pads is not learning anything from Andy Dalton throwing three yard slant routes to Allen Robinson on fourth and 15. Okay, he's not learning a damn thing out there. Get him in there, let him develop by playing the freaking game. And that's the other thing, Jake. What the hell were those fourth down? First of all, the, you know, going—I don't—I don't hate going forward on fourth down earlier. No, the, not at the all. The first two times, I'm that totally fine with that. But I—I I understand the situation in the fourth quarter. You're down two scores. You have to get it. Doing a kicking field at that point did nothing for you. So it's not the peer decision in a vacuum that made me mad. It's the fact that. Throughout the game, you didn't attempt to pass past 15 yards, and now you want to run a play on fourth and 15. That and you have no fucking idea what you're gonna do. And they didn't even throw the ball to the sticks, Jake. They didn't even get the ball to the damn sticks on fourth and 15. Mm-hmm. I would have just said, you know what, Jimmy Graham, run a straight fly route to the fuck 15 yard and just stand there. And that's our play. And whatever, if they would have done that, it would have been it would have been more effective than whatever the hell play they tried to run there on fourth and 15. I don't understand what the hell he was thinking. Calling not a single play. I don't. Again, it's a combination of either him not calling plays and calling routes for those guys to go deep, or Andy Dahl not throwing it to them. I would have to go back and watch the game tape to understand what it was. But I mean, that's the most the most frustrating thing about the offense last night—a Sunday night—was the fact that they did not throw the ball with any depth at all and, and no explosiveness.
0: No, no. And, and to your point about you know let them get the experience by playing and let that happen. Here's the thing we heard all year. Oh, well, Matt Nagy wants to believe he's in Kansas City again with Alex Smith and and Patrick Mahomes. But the thing is, they were committed to that. Andy Reid said, all right, Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes is not coming in these games. So to some extent, Justin Fields getting in the game in week one, in the first quarter, very early in the game, the first drive, to some extent, there is that belief that, okay, he's ready then for this situation. Okay, he's developed enough. So like we just keep saying, we keep saying that you're right. Why are we not just starting him right away to some extent in your brains? You're saying, yeah, he's ready. Why is Justin Fields ready for a small package of plays and not the whole playbook? What have we seen that, (laughs) what, what has Justin Fields showed us that should lead us to believe, okay, he's not ready for this moment because clearly you believe he's ready for some semblance of a moment that you're putting him in there in the red zone with the potential to get score touchdowns. So to some extent, you believe, already, yeah, the kid's ready. So why are we not giving him the full job because of this, like this dumb promise? I, I get it. Fine, you gave Andy Mil- Andy Dalton ten million dollars. Great, you've swallowed worse contracts. You are currently sitting with worse contracts. Nick yes. Foles being number one, and so why are we just just? Throw it out the window. Andy, hey, thanks for coming in. You know, Justin Fields wasn't an option when he gave us, the, when we gave you this contract. We're sorry about it. You know, couldn't have seen this coming, but Justin Fields fell into our lap. We appreciate what you've done. You're just not cutting it. See you later. Grab a seat. That's what you need to do. Th- that's what happened. Yes. This this pinky promise, this under-the-table handshake deal that you gave Andy Dalton, and you're just jerking us all around at this point. Like It's very, like, tell Andy, hey, great. Sorry, man. You know, we didn't know we were going to get Justin Fields when we signed you. Sorry. Take a seat. That's what you have to do.
1: Or, yeah. Or even just say, look, you, you, we, we gave you a game. Uh, you didn't perform to the expectations we thought you would. You know, two turnovers, only 14 points. Thought you'd do a little bit more. Uh, we're going to have to go to Justin now. It's, 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 it is that simple. And look, we, we are not here to hit on Andy Dalton because this is not his fault. It's the fault of the coaching staff for putting him in this position. Right. I mean, he he's being made a fool because of the coaching staff for putting him in this position. I'm sure, you know, the dude wants to play football. But for his sake and the reputation and all the flack that he's getting, it would have been better if they just sat him on the bench. It would have been yep. better if they just cut him. I mean, it, it, he's just – he's getting – like, I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for yep. the guy. You know, I mean, he he's executing Matt Nagy's game plan of doing the freaking dicks and dunks. He's doing what he can, but he's getting all this heat because of the ineptitude of the coaching staff to make the right decision. So if you want to put – don't put the blame on a Dalton as much as you put the blame on Matt Nagy. That, that is the bottom line. But the other thing is we talk about the offense, and I want to talk about these explosive plays. And I think in one episode over this past offseason, I, I made uh, an allusion to uh, the explosive plays uh, of the teams that made the playoffs and how I'm pretty sure like the top 10 teams – uh, in the NFL, nine of them had like most explosive plays, or something like explosive plays. I think it was the Bucs and the Chiefs actually had the most explosive plays in the NFL. Both those two teams found themselves in the Super Bowl. You, you, you go this offseason allocating resources to players who can provide you with explosive plays. You allocate resources to Demir Bird, one of the fastest players in the NFL. You allocate resources to Marquise Goodwin. You keep, you keep Jimmy Graham on the roster. You get rid of Kyle Fuller, but you, 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 you decide the ideology of Matt Nagy. Or, or Ryan Pace, rather, this offseason was, we're going to win with offense. That was the idea, right? I mean, based off of the moves that he made, I believe that that's what was going through his head. We are going to get the right pieces to start creating a explosive plays on offense, start winning these games by offenses, not as much by defense, because that is the era of the NFL that we reside in. And you go out there week one and don't use your allocated resources at all. I mean, y- you do not take advantage of... Demir speed, you do not take advantage of Darnell Mooney, you do not take advantage of Allen Robinson at all, because the guy doesn't run a route past 10 yards last night, you don't take advantage of Marquise Goodwin, you don't take advantage of Damian Williams' pass-catching ability, I mean, a few times, but you just absolutely, and this is what we've talked about for years, Jake, making use with what you have. And this is why I say, like, Ryan Pace deserves flack in a lot of areas, but he Put together, we talked about this two weeks ago. We said this is the offense Matt Nagy finally wants personnel-wise. He has everything he put, he has everything he possibly needs to his disposal. He has everything he needs from an offensive player personnel standpoint to put a good offense on the field, and he's just not using the, the the he's not using them correctly. So it all it all comes down to him. It all falls on him. And quite frankly, Jake, as you talked about, you think he's locked in? Not anymore. He's he he is gone after this year if this continues because he's not using his resources, he's not making the right decisions, he is just continuing to make himself look stupider every single week. And as every week goes, Jake, and every week people understand that he's making the dumb decision, it's every reason for for us to believe that he should be here he's doing himself a a disservice i think if he wants to save his job it's not going to be by pushing justin fields off later it's going to be by starting him as quick as he can and trying to open up whatever freaking offense he has that he's hiding from us for whatever reason and if if, if it works then he stays if it doesn't then he's freaking gone but at this point him keeping justin fields on the sideline is not saving him his job i mean do you think that that's the trend that we're going in now I mean, we're going to see Justin Fields at some
0: point. And, and Justin Fields, like you said, is going to save his job. Obviously, we've seen it, the change in play calling when Justin Fields was in on Sunday night. And even in the preseason, we saw it as well. And, you know, you mentioned these resources. You didn't even mention the name of Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole yeah, Matt, yeah. David Montgomery. Like, all these guys are here already on top of the names that you mentioned that were brought in. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's why I stand by this Matt Nagy safe because – When Justin Fields comes in, whether that be week four or five or whenever the hell he finally gets the stamp of approval to do it or finally gets the stones to do it and put Justin Fields in there, then that's going to save his job because we're going to get 10 plus games of Justin Fields probably regardless. So, you know, and and that a majority of the season, you know, let's put it that way. And so that's going to save his job because then he's going to change and then and, and then, and then you know that end of season press conference, whether that's a first round loss, whether that's not making the playoffs, that you're going to go in there and they're going to say, "Well, we really liked what we saw, the progress that Justin made, and we saw that we got better as a team as year went on. We believe that next year, with a full year of Justin and another full off season for him to digest the playbook and build chemistry with these guys, we can take that another further leap and become the team that we know we can be." Blah 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 blah. More word vomit. And then we're just going to be and we're going to have to sit here for a whole winter, a uh, whole offseason then and stomach another mediocre season. And that's how it's going to be, even though we I know it could have been better with more Justin Fields. It's, it, it, Kevin, I'm telling you, I promise you. And that's why we're not going to see Justin Fields for at least three more weeks, probably till week four or five, because Matt Nagy knows the exact situation he's in. He's like Matt Nagy, terrible play caller. Not a very good coach, but he is smart enough to know what situation he's in. And if he delays this just long enough, he can play that card and say, well, give me a full year of Justin. And give me a full offseason with Justin, and then I'll show you what we can do. Guaranteed. Because if he didn't get it, it, he didn't get fired last year, and, and when people were calling for it, and people thought he should have maybe gotten fired, maybe gotten on the hot seat, after, especially after the losing streak. And he, if he was able to BS his way into another year now, then a, a full offseason of Justin Fields
1: absolutely locks him in with that. I, I just think that, I mean, you're probably right. I just don't want to admit it. That that's, that's where we're at. I mean, Jake's look, I mean, look, right, you, look and at I don't the quarterback
0: situation kidding, right now that yeah. we're in with this pinky promise to Andy Dalton. Yeah. Right. But that, so that, that's all you need to know.
1: And well, this is why I say I don't know if it's Van know if it's Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips, or the organization. I don't I don't know if the franchise cares about winning because the way they should look at it is if he enters in week five or whatever, ends up playing twelve games or eleven games, whatever it may be, full games, and say they missed the playoffs by, you know, one or two games, and you look back at it and thought, Wow, you know what? Justin Fields played really good. He's a rookie of the year candidate at the end of the year, we're looking at it. You know what? If we had put him in against these few teams in the first five weeks, we could have been looking at a playoff shot. We could have been looking at all this revenue for our organization by being in the playoffs and all this great marketing promotion we would have got from making the playoffs for the second consecutive year and having a, a, a lot losing record for the fourth straight year. All that would have been good and great, but our head coach didn't recognize that that was the best thing to do. That's why I see the longer you prolong it, it doesn't help them because it just increases the stupidity. And the, thing, as the Justin... thing is,
0: though, Kevin, that we know, like Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they're buddy buddy. They Ryan Pace is signing off on these decisions. I don't know which how, means I, I, which, and and we know the McCaskeys and that big fat stooge Ted Phillips do not care about anything. If they sneak into the playoffs are they eight eight and one and they make a profit this year, which which they're going to do because when Justin Fields starts playing, people are going to pack that stadium. So you know that those people at the tippy-top, they just care about their wallets and how and that bottom line. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, what's on the field, they're in sync. They do this all the time. Everything that they've done over the last four years, you know, up to this point, it's all been in sync. They sign on off, off on everything together.
1: So, if, so, so if, this was,
0: if this was a just Matt Nagy thing, then I, I think we would have heard about it more. Like I, I think we would have heard that, like, oh, there are people – and, you know, Ryan Pace, there's some kind of disagreement about Justin Fields. No, everything that we've heard is just, oh, well, yeah, you know, he's going to start whenever he starts. Like there, we would have heard about it if there, if Ryan Pace thought that Justin Fields should be starting.
1: I mean, potentially, like I used to think that way, Jake, I used to think that these two were tandem and they were buddy, so buddy. Mind? So what changed my mind is Ryan Pace's job is at stake, too, and. Unless this team starts playing well and they start using these resources and Justin Fields gets on the field, Ryan Pace's stock is going to continue to go down as well. And it's probably going to start going down faster than Matt Nagy's because he's the player that acquired all these guys who aren't doing anything. He's getting all the flack for the Kyler Fuller cut, which he deserves some for. Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham, you know, you, you keep him on the roster for him to get targeted one time. James, uh, not James, Charles Leno, you, you get rid of him. And now look at our situation, left tackle. All of these things are ultimately falling on Ryan Pace, and if him, if for, for the sake of his job too, the one thing that he has going for him is Justin Fields, him going up and making that an incredible move for Justin Fields, which should be regarded as the best draft move in Bears history, which it will be. Um, that's that's what he has to cling on to for his job. Matt Nagy might not have to cling on to that exact thing, but Ryan Pace does, and I and it's not doing him any service. For each week that Justin Fields isn't well, well, out here, the, and each week thing, Justin Fields doesn't use the resources that he got, if
0: if Ryan Pace goes, there's no GM that's coming into this situation and is keeping Matt Nagy around. None, zero.
1: Well, so, exactly. Well, but there is a situation where Ryan Pace stays and Matt Nagy doesn't, though. But right, exactly, they both go. They both go if, like, if like if Matt Nagy goes, Ryan Pace goes. So it's you know. No, no, no! Sorry, other way around. If if Ryan Pace goes, Matt Nagy goes. Right. That's that's what I mean. So right. I just I just think it, I don't know. Maybe they are in a tandem. I don't know why they would be. Because if I'm if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm freaking pissed off because that's the only thing at this point that can save him his job is Justin Fields being the fucking rookie of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean. Unfortunately, I think Mac Jones is going to have that locked up because he's going to have a five week. Head, he's going to have a four or five week head start, um, unless Justin Fields pulls the Bears from one and three or something to the playoffs, something like that, which I mean is possible, but. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be something we're going to talk about every week. I mean, it's going to keep coming every up until the, switch, sorry, until the switch but... is finally made. And, I mean, we're not the only ones, though. I mean, you turn on any radio station, turn on any TV station, any sports station, and, I mean, read any piece. That's all anybody talks about is when is this happening? This clearly is just a whole charade. They're just, you know, kicking the can down the road for some reason. Nobody knows why. And here we are. Um, but anyway... That's that. Like I said, there's not much to say about the offense. Dave Montgomery was good. 16 carries for over 100 yards. Yeah. Good to see that from him. Love that. Um, You know, I, I liked seeing Cole Komet as involved as he was. It looks like he's taking yeah. that leap that uh we were hoping for. But, you know, we got to talk about this defense, man, because. Yeah. yeah, it was. And I said this in the beginning, it was startling how mm-hmm. poorly they played. I mean, mm-hmm. Eddie Jackson is legitimately allergic to coming in contact with another human being on the football field. Like, I don't know why or what di- how oh, who diagnosed geez. him with that. But that man is legitimately allergic to coming within an arm's length of a person on the opposite team. It makes no sense. And I saw this tweet today and I honestly don't know if I disagree. You know, we all thought Eddie Jackson was making Adrian Amos look good. I think it might have been the other way around now. I mean, there is there oh, a legi- boy. I mean, I think there was legitimate concern that Eddie Jackson duped us all with a crazy out of nowhere year in which he was on a historic defense around which everyone else possibly made him better and parlayed that into a big fat extension that now looks really, really bad. Uh, that
1: uh, that take man and I, then, it's hard and to And then swallow he got it, caught but...
0: saying tackling isn't the yes. most important thing in the world.
1: That's, that's, that uh, that's really
0: unbelievable.
1: Bad luck. Really really bad luck for him to get caught saying that. I mean the pro- the thing was Eddie Jackson when he was drafted was never branded as a tackler. We knew that, but he was a capable tackler in 2018 and the year in 2017. He could make open field tackles that prevent a guy from getting a first down. He can't even do that anymore. He can't even touch a player when he's on the ground after a 60-yard reception. He haven't touched that guy. I mean this isn't a dumb player say, and yeah. that's why I I don't know what I don't, would, know. If, what? If
0: I don't I, I never played like, I, like I didn't play high school football. I didn't play great. Like I never stepped on a football, but even I know person's down. You haven't touched them yet. You got to touch him Cause otherwise shit like that happens and you're going to give him a touchdown. it like that. It, I mean, honestly, I think that's when I knew not the interception that play. I think I was like, Oh, we're screwed.
1: Yeah. I mean, the team just wasn't is, is, and and some of that falls down to coach. Some of that falls down to coaching. And then Matt Nagy goes on the mic and says, "Oh yeah, you know they know it is a learning experience for them. They know that uh, they should do it, and next time they'll do it." No, hold them accountable. See, even that next time it shouldn't sucked. have happened
0: in the first place. Yeah,
1: exactly. Learn from a uh, learning experience. What is this fourth grade pee wee football? That's a learning experience in Pop Warner, not in the NFL. What the hell are we talking about here? Um, You know what I I mean? So
0: there are high school football coaches around the country today who showed that clip. It said, if you ever do this on my football field, you're running until you drop. I guarantee it.
1: Oh, yeah. A a, a thousand percent right. A thousand percent right. And, And the thing is, too, about this defense and about Eddie Jackson, uh, a lot of it comes from up front and the pressure, and quite frankly, that's what upsets me uh, more than the secondary because I want to get to that Cooper Cup play because there's a breakdown there that I saw on Twitter. A guy broke it down um, for for us to see what happened with that with that um, blown coverage. But I'm sorry, Khalil Mack goes on the mic two weeks ago, says, you know, someone asked him about being defensive player there. He says, oh, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm going to show you. All right, dude, show me then show me cuz right now you haven't showed me shit. I'm sorry he looked terrible last night. This is like and it, this is a player you hold to the highest of expectations cuz he is one of the best in the league and he's one of the best on primetime too. He was not an impact player at all. He didn't make one play that told me that he is one of the top 3 edge rushers in the NFL. One tackle. One tackle. He's not getting after the quarterback, not doing a single damn thing and I'm sitting here saying what the fuck because I have no answers, Jake. I can't, I, I don't know what to tell you. This guy is too damn good, too damn strong, too damn athletic, too damn fast to not be making an impact on the game at all. He's going up against Andrew Wentworth, the guy who's 40 freaking how old is that guy now? Is he 50 years old? He's I mean, old. what are we what is going on? I just I have no answers, no explanation. I don't want to hear the fact that he was limited in practice this week with whatever the heck is dealing with, injury he was dealing with. Right. It is it's it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it is mind-boggling that they cannot get any pressure with the amount of talent they have on that line. It, it, it makes no sense, but I it, like the game of football is one of the trenches. Go back to the basics. Go back to the simple things. What did the, the, the Rams do better than we did? They got takeaways, number one, and they got after the quarterback. I mean, every single time it seemed like Matt, uh, Matt Stafford had time to throw. There was no pressure. He was breaking away easy. Nobody was even chasing him when he was rolling out. It was easy, and the reason why Eddie Jackson was so good in 2018 was part of the reason that a lot of those interceptions he got, was he was he reading the plays well on a number of those, especially the Vikings won the Lions when they took the house? Yes, but a number of those plays are pressure on the defense, gets to the quarterback, quarterback just throws it to the nearest receiver. Eddie Jackson's there to pick it off like a sitting duck. I mean, that that is where majority of interceptions and takeaways come from. If you don't get pressure, you can't expect your defense to be good. It starts up front. Khalil Mack needs to figure out what the hell is going on. Akeem Hicks looked okay. You need Eddie Goldman back. I don't even know what to say about Robert Quinn. No words for that man. Um, but that's Jake. That's where it starts. Now, do you have answers for Khalil Mack? Because I don't. And like, he's not a bad player. Khalil Mack didn't just fall off the face of the earth here in 2021. He didn't just significantly get worse at football. Like, there is something going on that I I just don't understand, and I have no idea how to I I have no idea how to fix that. Zero, zero idea.
0: Yeah, I have no idea why uh, Cleo Mack disappeared last night. You, you're right. He usually shows up in those moments when, you know, lights are brightest, prime time. I don't know if he's disinterested. He doesn't care like we've talked about on this show. I I don't know. But, I, I mean, Matt Stafford's numbers were, some of these numbers were silly last night. Career high marks and passer rating and yards per attempt. Uh no player with at least twenty pass attempts against the Bears has had a better passer rating than Stafford's one fifty six last night since nineteen fifty. That includes Aaron Rodgers as part of you know that whole group. It's insane numbers, silly numbers. The Bears allowed the Rams to gain seven point seven yards per play, the most they've given up in a game since twenty sixteen. That's from Kevin Fishbane's Athletic article uh, uh recapping the game. And Cleo Mack is a huge part, and you talked about that, but. It's everybody. I mean, it was just soft coverage. It was just terrible mm-hmm. coverage, non-existent coverage. These That busted, the busted touchdown cover not the one that we were talking about earlier, but the late one where there's nobody around the receiver. There's four Bears defenders trailing this wide open receiver. And the nearest person to that Rams receiver was the ref. Was the ref. <laughs> Makes it, It's unbelievably, it's laughably bad. Roquan Smith, the only player with double-digit tackles, one pass defense came from Jalen Johnson, one sack, a half each to Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn. It's just, it's silly. Like, this is, the, but here's the thing, though. We knew this day was coming. And to, to your point of... You needed an offense this year. That's how you're going to win. And yes, that's how the NFL has gone. But you knew this day was coming. That defense was never going to be 2018 forever. There was always going to be a decline. We knew that. We knew that as this team got older, they were going to get worse, a little worse, and a little worse, and a little worse. And we've seen that since 2018. 2019, they were good, a little bit worse. 2020, they were still above average, but a little worse. Now this year, if that's what you're going to get for 17 weeks, You're screwed, no matter if Justin Fields might not even be able to save you if you're going up against Baker Mayfields and Joe Burrows. And you figure Aaron Rodgers is going to figure it out. And if not, he'll beat the Bears just out of spite alone. But you also think about who else you have. You have Baltimore, you have San Francisco. Like these are good teams that are going to run you out of the building if that's what you're going to get from the defense
1: every night. You're screwed. You're screwed, and and it also, like, when it comes down to those deep plays, it comes down to the secondary, and this is where, you know, the biggest concern on the team is as far as personnel standpoint is secondary. On that Cooper Cup play, the person on coverage, the person who blew the coverage was Marquis Christian. Okay, is that surprising to anybody? I mean, Marquise Christian was a player who was cut and brought back onto the roster like three days later. Um, a guy named Darius Butler and Troy did a little breakdown, and realized Christian was a nickel cornerback in it, in some sort of cover two set where he was supposed to follow Cup all the way down the field, all the way to the goalpost. So he follows Cup for about 20 yards, and then out of nowhere, just turns around for no freaking reason and lets Cup run free. So no, that play is not on Eddie Jackson. That play is not on Deshaun Gibson. That plays on Marquise Christian, but. The, the problem I have, I mean, was Deion Bush active in this game? What, where is he? Why is he not here in this situation? Why is he not playing nickel? Uh, I know he's not purely a cornerback, but he could probably play nickel corner better than Marquis Christian can. I mean, Marquis Christian was a safety during all of camp. DeAndre Houston Carson. I mean, even Jake, a player like Sharon McManus, right? Like a guy like him. Like I, I, they, they have uh, Kendall Vildor didn't play well. Jalen Johnson played great. But they have serious problems in the secondary. I mean, yep. it is. It is concerning. Guys are wide open. A number of times, I'm saying, how the hell is this guy wide open? And it wasn't just the Cooper Cobb play. It wasn't just the Van Jefferson play. It was, you know, 20 yard intermediate routes without a linebacker within 30 yep. yards of him. It, it's, I, I, it is. You know, I don't know when we start talking about Sean Desai and the things yeah. that happening there. I, I don't think we're there yet. To, I think we have to give it a little bit of time before yeah. we critique his game. But. The secondary, it just purely the personnel that is there. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And who could have seen this coming after you cut Kyle Fuller in March? Right? Yeah. None of us. So Yeah.
0: It, yeah. It's, the, it's the, I think you should leave me. The, Brian Pace is in there. We're all trying to find the guy who did this. And we know who did it and we know exactly the moment that did it too. You're right though. Sean Desai, I mean, first game as a defensive coordinator and you get Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, not exactly the easiest situation, but you also had how many months to prepare for this game specifically. So, yeah, I mean, it's a bad look. And I mean, we're going to do our preview on, uh, on Wednesday, but I mean, I'm, I don't feel confident
1: against Cincinnati. I don't feel confident, nor am I really excited. Like, Jake, you know we're the, some of the biggest Bears fans out there. I, I'm not excited. I'm I, Quite frankly, you know, Sunday Night Football Week 1, that's like the most exciting game in the world. And it, it was hard for me to get excited for that game. It really was. It was hard. I, for me. I was excited once it
0: got caught Like once I like after once the sure once the noon game. started, I got excited because sure. I was like, you know, I was I tweeted this. I was ready to be hurt again. Like I, I got I got tricked into being hurt again. And
1: then as soon as that interception happened, I was like, oh, OK, never mind. It's dead. Yes, exactly. So like it's not going to be a, an easy breeze game against the Bengals. And it, it I. I I'm just, I'm having trouble finding, like I said, excitement for this game unless Justin Fields is a starter. I mean, every, I got out of my seat every single time Justin Fields got into the game. I got out of my seat. I got into like a, you know, a crouch, like, like looking at it. Yeah. Cause I was freaking excited because I want to see what he could do. And the rest of it, I'm just sitting in my chair nonchalantly, just watching this, thinking what the hell is going on. So it, it's not going to be a breeze against the Bengals. But again, like, Let's let, let let's note some positives, as we always do on this show. Um, There must be negativity, of course, after that game, but there must be positivity. Dave, uh, Jake mentioned it. Dave Montgomery looked unbelievable. He was the third fastest ball carrier in the NFL last week. Third fastest. Pretty good. Okay. I never thought I'd be saying those words about Dave Montgomery. You know I said a year ago I wasn't sure about him being a top 10 legitimate RB1 because he lacked the speed to excel consistently at the position. And he shut my ass up because he worked on his speed all offseason, and he looks like a different player because of it. And now, I mean, this is a guy who has an extremely rare combination of speed, elite pass catching, elite tackle breaking, and elite vision. He is is a budding superstar if this speed is true, which it is. So that's a positive. And like I said earlier, you know, you might as well throw week one away. The season starts next week. You know, we already had a seventeen is a seventeen game season. Let's call that the la, uh, the last the fourth preseason game. Okay, that was the fourth <laughs> preseason game. Season starts next week. Everybody in the division is zero zero. I mean, quite frankly, that is that that is that that's what it is. That's what you're looking at. So, um, season starts next week. You have a chance to 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 be first place in the division after next week. Okay, make the most of it. Do the right thing. Put in Justin Fields. It's not going to happen, but that's my message to Matt Nagy. Yeah, I, I mean you nailed
0: it. That was basically the only uh the only positive really. I I mean, yeah, Cleo, yeah. Her- Cleo Herbert looked sure. good on return. I'll, I'll I'll throw that in there. He looked he looked good. I'm happy with that. But yeah, I mean, David Montgomery's really the only positive thing you could take from this game. The defense didn't give you anything to be excited about. Quarterbacking didn't give you anything to be excited about.
1: Well, coaching one certainly didn't. Did. So, plays Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and and Justin Fields' touchdown. But I mean, we'll see I mean, like I said, Wednesday, we're going to break it down, give it a couple more days to breathe and collect our thoughts, but your Chicago bears are 0 one and tied for first place in the division. So got to go. I mean, you got to beat Cincinnati. It, it, like you said, season starts, it's a beatable team. Let's see, let's see if the bears can learn from their mistakes and you know, it, let's see if this is going to be another 2020 where you go six games and you're not learning from anything and you go six r- losses in a row or are you a different team? And so we're going to find out. I, I mean, like we said, next next week against Cincinnati is no cakewalk, but we'll break that all down on Wednesday. Kevin, any parting thoughts for the people?
1: No parting thoughts. Um, keep the faith. Bear it down as always. Can't wait for week one next week. Let's go. Bear, bear down. <laughs> all right. Join us Wednesday,
0: 8 p.m., twitch.tv slash Chicago for real, and we'll do a full breakdown previewing the game against the Bengals. We will see you there, me and Kevin, of course always there every wednesday but until then we will see you thank you for listening as always and your own one but bear down bear down